Welcome to the Gospel Gazing Podcast. My name is Wilson Van Hooser. I'm joined today by Job, or I guess by or with or whatever preposition that needs to be. I'm joined with Job DeLomba, hailing from Georgia, uh, originally from that other state that is west of Alabama, but we will get into that later uh, because we all, all right, know getting yeah. insulting early okay we're, uh, we're hey we are beginning <laughs> now uh it is cold outside but it is it is uh it is hot on the podcast uh joe thanks for joining man i'm I'm pumped for this yeah i'm glad to be here with a, a, a football legend i gotta tell you it's a real Look, honor uh, it depends who you're talking to and depends what your definition of legend is. Uh, so <laughs> uh, you qualify. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so tell us uh, tell us where you are right now and a little bit about uh, your marriage, family and kind of that that uh, general bio. Yeah. Um, pastor at Christ Covenant Presbyterian Church, PCA Congregation in Woodstock, Georgia. I've been here uh, four years this month. Uh, I think it was last week we actually pulled in to, to Woodstock uh, to, to begin the, the work here. Uh, married to Brittany. We've been married this year in July is uh, 18 years. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, yeah, going great. And uh, we have four kids, two boys, two girls, 13, 11, 9, and 7. Yeah. Dang. There you go. All right. Yeah. When you say begin the work at Woodstock, did you plant that or are you talking about you just, you, for you? I moved here. It was a, it was a particular church. Yeah. So the, uh, the pastor, uh, had planted this church. He was, uh, he got it going. He, he actually did not, he retired for a season and thought that he was, he was the older guy, uh, sixties named Ted Lester wonderful godly man still worships with us yeah and uh but he got the congregation going for a variety of reasons he was and felt that woodstock needed a pca church and uh once it was established after a few years uh, he was ready to resign and retire and uh so they called me and issued a call to me in uh, 2019 um, wow yeah because of my background i had to essentially start over but yeah it took a little bit to get credentialed but i uh, was approved of course and uh, we showed up in january 2020 and We've been here uh, now, and yeah, it's a starting year five, and uh, we love it. We're thrilled to be here. Same church that Matt Lee, uh, your previous. Oh guest. man! Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think that says it all. Judge my people. Judge what you will when he mentions Matt Lee. Uh, yeah, yeah. Another Matt. legend. Another legend. Matt. Matt is, uh, in all seriousness, Matt is uh, a friend of the podcast. Yeah, um, he is. Love He's a Matt. Terrific, terrific guy. I love his uh, family. Oh, and, uh, we hit it off I, right away and uh, happy yeah. to have him here. We we have some good holy jealousy for you, y'all having the <laughs> Lee family. So, okay, you mentioned, you know, considering your background, uh, you know, and, and getting used to the uh, PCA church there. Tell us a little bit more. What what church background are you coming from and how did you end up in the PCA? Yeah, uh, I was raised uh loosely not very active a southern baptist my grandparents were um my my mother i was raised by my mother and uh she um was faithful to to me and a single mother so she took care of me and provided um the spiritually speaking my grandparents were uh, staunch christians they were baptist dispensational but also calvinistic 
Um, so I had a, yeah, I had a little bit of a background there, but they, um, they were very kind and good to me and helped me a lot, but I was not a, a faithful Christian. So, uh, didn't become, con- wasn't converted till I was 17. Yeah. Um, later on. So once I was, I, you know, went to the Baptist church and was baptized and all of that stuff and, uh, started out and called a ministry. I have a couple years after that. And I ended up going to mid America Baptist seminary. Yeah. Yeah. Memphis. Okay. Yeah. And that's where actually where Nick Wilborn, pastor of covenant, Whereas Oak, yes. Ridge, he, uh, um, Oak Ridge, I said OPC, Oak Ridge, yeah. he went there many years before me. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we never, of course, didn't overlap. But uh, yeah. so when I, my convictions changed over time, uh, just honestly, through having children is where it all started. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that's so awesome. after, yeah. After a number of years, we, I was pastoring and it just, I uh, was clear I was a Presbyterian. Yeah. And, uh, so we made the switch and, uh, joined the church of the man who was uh, most faithful to help me through it, a PCA pastor, mm. joined his church. And uh, essentially that was a starting over. Yeah. And so I, uh, but after that, I, so I did that for roughly 10 years as a pastor, then joined the PCA and was wanting to get a call and began that process of how do you do that? And uh, some yeah. guys were faithful yeah. to help me and, teach me, you know, practical things and also help me understand on the ground. I pretty, you know, comfortable with theology and Presbyterian structure of, you know, theologically speaking, but these guys helped me sort of settle on the practicalities and understand. Yeah. And um, so, and I think it was in June, July of 2019, um, Christ Covenant called and said, we'd like to talk to you. That's awesome. Um, I fit what they were seeking and and uh was a good fit and yeah. we came down to view of a call and uh yeah so i you know they accepted yeah. it and turned it in presbyterian I had to do all of the credentials you know all of the exams written in the oral and such yeah, um, just, yeah. I, like i was at a seminary so uh yeah. it was a quite the experience but it was Man. great i wouldn't take it back and uh so yeah well i th- i was thinking about this earlier this morning I mean, what was it like as a a Baptist pastor as you're growing in this, you know, and you're having to get up and you're preaching and teaching, but yet, yeah. I mean, what was that kind of tension like internally where you're you're realizing personally you're kind of becoming more Presbyterian, but you're still ministering to a Baptist congregation? Yeah. It's it's not easy personally. Yeah. Um, and you try. I was trying to do the best I could to. Uh, shepherd them and guide them. I was learning. Everybody I was reading was Presbyterian, basically, yeah. or, or Calvinistic Baptist. Yeah, that's, that's how I understood it. Um, and it wasn't just baptism; it was um, yeah, RPW. Yeah, it was everything. And so I would teach as best as I could out of that because I felt it was biblical. And yeah. um, so I did that. And you know, it it was an internal problem, though. Of course, when you had babies born in the church and had my own kids. Yeah. And um, that became more of an issue for me. And um, I, so I, I realized that honestly, I had to, something had to change. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't, it was, it was very hard because I wanted to see my children uh, included in the, in the covenant and by membership yes. of the, of baptism and such. So it, it was hard, but at times I didn't think about it because you know how it is when you're a pastor, other things take over and you can't simply think about these things. So I yeah. would put it off and put it on and ultimately 
Um, I knew what I was trying to do was not going to work. It was like, I'm trying to make Baptist Presbyterians. And in some cases, yeah, it can help. Yeah. It, can, it can work, mm-hmm. but it's hard to do that as a Baptist pastor. Yeah. Well, and, and I, uh, it's one yeah, thing, I, can, I mean, when you're, when you're a Baptist congregant and you're coming to that, conviction but man as a pastor that was one thing I, I really was thinking i was like what was what was that internal tension like as a as a minister it's very hard i remember my wife's i was frustrated and yeah i'm sorry i was i was frustrated one day and and it's like i don't know and Brittany said like what do you what do you want what do you yeah. really want and i said i just want to be a presbyterian pastor that's what i want mm. and all the, and, and that meant a whole lot of things but that's i said that's what i want yeah. Said, well, let's, well, we're going to have to just do that, and we have to find that out. And the Lord providentially uh, made that open that door for us to have to move on. But you know, I joined um, Christ. Uh, it's funny. I'm pastoring Christ Covenant Woodstock, but I joined Christ Covenant Hernando, Mississippi. Oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never not been in the Christ Covenant Church, but yeah. we just joined as members, and just yeah. had our children baptized. It was the most one of the most wonderful days of my life. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I sobbed like a baby, man. I was, oh, uh, I bet. Yeah. I, I was like, I mean, I would, I mean, surely it was so much more precious after you had been through all that. And well, how, like, how was your wife in the process of you learning this? And I mean, how, how was she growing in, in, in those things? She's, she's terrific. She, um, she, I talked to her a lot about it as I was yeah. thinking and, she understood and she was there and she worried about things the same way I did sure. and um, about, you know, but theologically she's like, yeah, this, this is makes sense. This is right. That is and so then, awesome. Yeah. yeah I mean, always being your sounding board and y'all wrestling with that together. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was, you know, you know, the whole worry was Wilson, that what would I, would I ever get a call? Would I ever actually be able to, yeah. and um, the truth of the matter is, is that what I did wrong mostly was I didn't have faith that God would provide for me. Mm. And that's what kept me for many years, not just walk, taking a leap of faith Yeah. To say, okay, Lord, if this is how you have intended your church to be in terms of polity, government, covenant, and our children, we need to order our lives around that. But I just honestly kept trying different things, thinking it would might work. And I didn't have faith in hindsight. And the Lord... Mm kind of forced my hand <laughs> yeah, in yeah. some ways. And I had no, and uh, I had to walk by faith and, um, you know, the people that were confident that I, that the Lord would open up a, pa- a place to pastor, um, were not the most confident. They were not me. They were other people. Yeah. And they were very kind to me and encouraging. It's like, you know, we're not God, but we yeah. do sense the Lord will give you a call when in the right time. Yeah. So just, yeah. just trust. And he did, he took care of me every step of the way. Um, and I was just very gracious to me and my family, man. I, I, I just think that's so, that's so awesome. And, um, it's, it's, it is interesting because in the PCA, we tend to run across a lot of people, uh, and, and sometimes, uh, ministers who, uh, grew up Baptist, uh, and, uh, or, or became converted and were Baptist at first. And, and uh, just through further studying, good mentors and reading, uh, became Presbyterian, and and how much the Lord uses that uh, to help to use them to help in others' uh, understanding of some of these doctrines. Yeah, I think that that's been one of the things that 
I felt most fruitful here is that we've had yeah. a number of people come who had the same, they were, while congregants, they had the same struggles, what I do. And I feel like I could look at them and say with truth, like, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly yeah. what you're going yeah. through. And let me tell you, um, not convince you, but let me show yeah. you how I arrived at this and why this is so great. And my main thing I would tell them, yeah. I do tell them is you're going to come for the theology, but you'll stay for the worship and the poverty. Mm. And and you'll you'll be that and that is typically how it's gone for me. I, I the, the theology was big, yeah. But understanding the worship and the polity was what to me is the biggest, uh, humanly speaking, motivation to love yeah. being reformed and Presbyterian. So and I how, think I've seen that a lot with people here. Yeah. So so and and, and it's a big thing in in our uh, Presbytery. I mean, it's a for um, the ordination uh exams here uh when it comes to like pastoral practice that is always a big uh practical question that's being asked to the candidates because that's kind of the waters we swim in mm -hmm. so so how like i mean you know there's obviously people are asking about well what about baptism um you know or or even maybe even they're getting into like just the sacraments in general mm -hmm. outside of the sacraments what are the questions that you are finding people are asking most when it comes to Baptist kind of, as it were, uh, flirting with Presbyterianism. Yeah, I think um, it varies, but it, if I could put it categorically in a few things broadly, uh, some of it's just structure of scripture and theology. Um, yeah. The, covenant, the covenants. Yeah. Like how, yeah. What, what is the covenant of grace? If we, you know, in our terms, like when we say covenant of grace, they might not ask that right away. But they're yeah. asking like, okay, salvation is by grace through faith. So they kind of got the Calvinism thing down. But then it's yeah, like, correct. how does it operate? How does it work? Uh, yeah. What's the what's this Israel? The distinction, you know, they have dispensational yeah. backgrounds. Like, there's so there's one people, right? Yeah, and, well, one people of God. And so that's the first question. There's sacrament questions of why are you sprinkling or pouring rather than immersing? Yeah. Why yes. do you? Yeah. Why children? Um, and then questions of why do you worship like this? You know, yeah, those are yeah. good questions. Um, and yeah. then of course, you know, why why have a human authority over the local congregation, a past mm. local congregation? And those are questions we answer. And I've often repeat things I was told that I believe, and it's like this whole thing is covenantal, mm. start to finish. Even the polity yeah. is covenantal. Yeah. Uh, and and it's about that. And so when you see how it all is intertwined and part of one package of God's covenant of redemption and care for his covenant people, yeah, it starts to to click. And um most of the time I've seen my own prediction play out. You come for the theology, but you'll stay for the worship, the polity, and the pastoral care, because that's that's even covenantal too. Because well, we're all that, out of a, a desire to shepherd as opposed to, and yes. I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm yeah, not saying yeah. that other people are not sure, for sure. On shepherd, but oftentimes that is a big thing to have because we have ruling elders who actually are yeah, shepherds yeah. and we have pastors who are, give, who see preaching and teaching as part of the shepherding and who are involved right. in their life. Yeah. 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 It literally is, uh, everything folds under that umbrella. Well, and, yeah. and then you had kind of hit at that earlier, how when you were 
uh, first transitioning that it wasn't so much the doctrine, the theology, because you obviously had to have wrestled with that, especially being a Baptist pastor. It was more so of how do I be a Presbyterian minister? Yeah. So how, like, when when people, and you've already kind of hit at this, but when people are thinking about what church should I join and what is it about whenever Presbyterianism is working well, <laughs> which is a big thing, or that's a whole other conversation, but when it's working well, what is it about what we believe that really shepherds people and how a Presbyterian minister does ministry? Does that make sense? It does. I think that it kind of can go back to um, the hook of covenant theology. Yeah. That so if you look at it, take a step back and we say uh, that God has a plan, a covenant plan of redemption for people, and his goal is to bring his people into his church, and he he wants to feed them and nourish them and care for them and draw them closer to him so mm. that they grow in love for him, love for the whole the triune God, and grow in their own walk and faith and their godliness and sanctification. And so when that is God's desire. And then you come to a church, again, we're assuming operations are all right. Yeah. You come yeah. to a church that is seeking to do that very thing for you, to, to mm -hmm. preeminently give glory to God, to teach the scriptures as the, the revealed word of God and the truth of, of, of what he wants us to know, and and that it is the, the full word of God. And we, we bring all this to them that they've sort of arrived at and are yeah. starting to think is important. And then you come into a, a structure uh, the church structure, the polity that is entirely designed by the Lord, but yet we are to be a shepherding and a good for his people. And they see that the elders and the, and the whole thing from top, bottom to top, yeah, rather than top to bottom, because we're Presbyterian, right? <laughs> yep, there you go. There you <laughs> you know, but, but the whole thing from one end to the other is designed to shepherd and care for the people, to give glory to God. Yeah. Damn. as the church should be, but also for the good of the hearts and the souls and even the bodies of the people because of the diaconal yeah. work. That is very mm. enticing, and, yeah. and it hits a lot of desires. And also, I would add that when you are uncertain about, when, when you're in a, an independent background and you, you begin to, again, I'm not disparaging, just speaking honestly, when no, you yeah, begin yeah. to see that there's some good things here, but there's something lacking mm. and you don't really know what to do. You, you know, you, you sometimes, oftentimes the folks know in, in instinctively, okay, I don't want to be an independent. I don't want to be, you know, in an independent church or be in the situation I was in, but I don't want to be a Roman Catholic. I don't want to, I they might say, I don't want to be in a hierarchy and I don't want to be in something like that, but there has to be something in between. And yes. in many ways, that instinct hits in a in a Presbyterian church. Mm. You get a little bit of everything. You don't lose like what do you desire and love about being in an evangelical or independent church? Is emphasis on the Bible, an emphasis on good preaching, an emphasis uh, on on uh, other things that you know like that. And they like that. There's also an emphasis on not wanting to be uh, rote and to everything be settled yeah. and formed. Yeah. And you come to our churches and the preaching is the central thing. Exactly. There's, there's that's there. And also though, because we don't mandate um, every part of the, every word of the service and point, 
They yeah. see that, that it is for the heart, but it's also hitting what they often are lacking. They want knowledge. They want to grow in, in theology and growth and understanding the Scripture because they love the Lord, want to know Him. So they find that they're getting the thing they love about the evangelical background. Yeah. And they're, getting, they're still getting that. But what they're lacking in the evangelical background is they're getting they're lacking some structure, some order, some guardrails that are yeah, good, yeah. right? And they're getting a, a, a well thought out confession of faith yeah. and an understanding of what we actually do believe and practice. Yeah. They're getting that. But what they're not going to get is the thing they fear that they might have to get in the top heavy, which is dictation and things being told of how it has to be in a certain way. And they yes. don't want that. Yeah. But they still get the thing they like, which is the care and the uh, the work of the shepherds. But there's also a wider sense of belonging to the church. There's there's uh, guardrails and there's uh, courts that go beyond them. They have a place of appeal. Yeah. There is a sense that you belong to a, a whole church past. In other words, the church, when you become Presbyterian, um, our we we are our congregation is our church. Like if you're a member of our, you know one of our congregations, that is your church. Yeah. But the PCA is your church too. Yes. And yes. so a lot of times people are are seen and that starts working like, oh, so this is actually a tangible way of being one body that it goes beyond yeah. one church, but is not Roman Catholic. Correct. And, and, it, and it's biblical on top of that. And so a lot of these desires for structure and order, the doctrine that's fleshed out, and yeah. also things that are still for the heart, for your yeah. own life, and to bring that home. Presbyterian polity, I think it's like that because it's biblical, but in God's grace, the, the shepherds over time have learned how to put that into practice in their own context yeah. and, and keeping yeah. with the word. And that is, that is, that is a really attractive thing yeah. to a lot of people. And I think it's our, I think it's our best, if I wanted to say apologetic method. Yeah. Well, and I think in a lot of ways too, when Presbyterianism is done well, it really helps us repent of the celebrity Christian or celebrity pastor yes. mentality. Uh, and that's healthy for the people and it's healthy for the pastor. Yeah. They uh, learned that, that, that we're just regular guys. I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. you know, we're not, we're just, we're just guys that are in our calling doing what we feel yeah. the Lord has called us to do. It's been confirmed by the church which is very yeah. important, but also, you know, yeah, we're, just, current... we're regular yeah, guys who have stepped into an ordained office, but we are not the, you know, the ordination in itself or in ourselves as it were. Yeah. Our, our errors, you know, tend to, they should come from outside, not from within meaning yeah, yeah. when things mess up. It should be something that was inserted into reformed Correct. Presbyterian thinking rather than being a product that's one of the yes. things that was big for me is that some of the errors I was seeing, the non-heretical things yeah. that were in the independent evangelical Baptist world were actually things that would happen because of the system and the process and the structure. Yes. Yeah. But when we have errors, if you kind of take a look at it, it's often things that are brought in yeah. that very, should not have been brought in. Very good. And we, yeah. But we have systems that when those errors are brought in, you can appeal. Work you can appeal to it. Yeah. And that's incredibly appealing. Yeah. 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 No pun intended. But <laughs> no yeah, pun intended. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that is, it's, it, it really is a beautiful thing because once again, I mean, and, and really reflecting our doctrines of sovereign grace, 
it become church is not about us. Right. It's it's about God. And uh, I I was on the phone with another minister uh, a couple of days ago, and 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 he was just reminding me of saying, look, uh, you know, whenever whenever you're ministering to you know uh, a married couple for exist for example, he said. You know, whenever you are communicating truth to that married couple or the individual, you have to remember that sometimes whenever they give pushback, you have to remember it's not primarily about you giving them advice. You have to remember what are you as the minister on behalf of Christ, you're ministering the gospel to them. This is bigger than you. This is about them and God. And, And when it's done well, that's what we want it to be. That's right. And the people learn that when they understand that ruling elders and teaching elders yeah. are, are not a separate class of officers. Oh, and it yes. helps because they know and that's a like, whole other episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the, the pastor. Yeah. But in, so my kids actually, that's funny. You said that my kids asked me what my youngest daughter today, like, are you the leader of the church? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I said, no, I'm not. Yeah. First of all, Je- yeah. Jesus is the head of the church. Oh, come on now. But, but secondly, in terms of, the, the the men you're speaking of, there are five of us. There, yes. We all are, I am one of them. Yes. And I have no more authority than they do. That's so, yeah, that's so key. Well, and you mentioned earlier about how one of the beauties is uh, the orderly doctrine and, and how that really does uh, play itself out in the life of the church. And, uh, and you mentioned it, you say, well, that you know, it's it's our Westminster Confession and, and the catechisms. We can often forget the catechisms as well. Yeah. But when we think about the Westminster Confession, and when we think about applying it to our local church ministry, how has that worked out with y'all at Woodstock? And maybe though it wouldn't be exactly identical in in every application, but. Sure. How would you recommend it to work out in places like us in Stillwater or beyond? Hmm. I think one thing to remember about Westminster standards, uh, all all three, um, is they are theological statements and teaching doctrine. But the thing about theology is that I think is important to grasp is that theology is reality. Oh, say that one more time. That the- is a- theology I- is reality. Yes. And and many times people think that theology is simply discussions of it's just simply I think philosophical discussions that go on in college or amongst people that yeah. like that kind of talk. Yeah. And on one hand, it 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 can be turned into that. It, yeah. It can. Good point. But the but the truth is is that theology is reality. And so when we teach theology, we teach doctrine, it's important to remember, to remind, and to have in our hearts and our guts that this is reality. When Mm -hmm. we say that God is one God in three persons, that is the reality of the world in which we live, that there is a God, and He is one God in three persons. And so if you live in a world that that is the reality of the world, we say that Christ took to himself a true body and a reasonable soul. Yeah. That's reality. That happened. Mm. That's not just how we explain how we're what the Bible says about Jesus. It's like, no, that that happened. And that's true to this day. That when Jesus died on the cross, 
Well, he really died. Yeah. <laughs> and he was res he really was resurrected from the dead. Thus, when the apostle Paul says what he says about what happened to us and for us in the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension, that is reality. Yes. You live in, we live in a world where Jesus Christ has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Oh, that's, so, that's, 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 right, that's yes. real. Yeah. And so when we're talking and preaching and teaching, we're not talking about things that are simply, how do we understand this? Or can this be something to help me get through if I think about myself this way? So I taught through the Westminster Confession. Well, we're teaching on it in Sunday school and myself and other elders. And I was uh, tasked with chapter 12. Well, say paragraph one, but it's only one paragraph on adoption. Yeah, oh, man. Trying to say yeah. to you know, teaching the congregation this past Sunday, it was like, so you are adopted in Jesus Christ. That's your reality. You are God's son. Yes. You're a child of God. And this is true. Yeah. And that has ramifications mm -hmm. for everything about your life. Yeah. And that's something that cannot be dismissed. I mean, for me, an example, I remember, uh, thinking through um, baptism in, in covenant children. Mm. Um, and I'm blanking at the moment <laughs> where in the confession, I think it's in the section on the church where it says that um, the, the outward sign of baptism is administered to show that they belong to Christ, that they're part of his church, yeah. that they're his. I, can't, I'm, I think I'm paraphrasing mostly there. I'm, yeah. I'm blanking on the exact wording. But here's what I would say is like, that hit home because my children are his. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, not exactly. that's not simply how do we find a place for the kids where they feel included. That's reality. Man. And so I, I, that changes everything. Right there. Yeah, this is the reality in which they live. And so when we say you have covenant promises and you have obligations as a member of the visible church who's been baptized, this is your reality. Yes. And, and you and so if you were to apostatize, did I say that right? Or I, Mississippi just come up? There? Yeah, I forget. It's funny because <laughs> people say apostatize or some people say apostatize. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'll just say it really fast. Yeah. If you commit apostasy. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. If, if you were to become an apostate or, or you were to say, well, I'm not going to believe like, you can't just simply say that because it's a, yes. it's, it's a, okay. Well, the Bible says that that would be apostasy. Therefore, according to the scripture, that would make someone apostate and say, well, I just don't believe like, no, but reality is by, mm. based on theology that this is your standing. And that's why this yes. is great because this is reality. And so I think yeah. what we do is to say, it's not just simply what do we believe? Yeah. Yeah. And, and which we do, it's important. But it's to show the reality of God, of ourselves, of the church, of the world. And we need we need yes. that. It's not well, just what, discussions. Yeah, theology. Oh, look, I, I'm just, you got me. That line's going to stay with me forever, that theology is reality. I mean, yes. that's it. I mean, you know, I, when you come back to, uh, you know, chapter 12 on adoption, um. You know, God has put His name upon you. Yes. So, well, let, let's 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 even get particular. When we're counseling, uh, we are not telling someone some sort of psychotherapeutic 
mind ever matters self-talk. We are right. we are pleading with them to see reality as it is That's because exactly right. it it has ramifications when we don't live in light of that reality and that's why it can affect us the way it does but we're not you know because i i've I've gotten that feedback at times where someone's like well you know how does does this really matter is this just kind of like basically self-talk but the christian version and i think Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is that's just such a beautiful way of putting it and and I think the word you used, worldview, is really what the confession is. It's a, yes. it's telling us this is the way God has made things. Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I think that that just, I mean, man, that's that's worth the price of the podcast right there, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man. <laughs> yeah, so, it's great. It's 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 reality, yeah. and that tells you if you you want to live in the world as it is, you know, we're very, and so you can hit on, and it can hit well to someone who is thinking like, okay, but I live in, they might say this, well, I live in reality and I operate in the world as it is. So it's like, I might want, you know, people do this with voting, don't they a lot? Yeah. Well, I might want that, but reality is, is that there are two options. Well, that's, that's, that can, that is a very good way to, to help someone understand like, well, what about my situation? Like, yeah, that you can think that, but this is reality. Yeah. Reality is is that yeah. God is God. Or reality cool. is is that that you are a sinner by nature yes. and you have actual sins. And the reality is, you know, and these are realities. And so, you know, you you say, Well, I, I you are married to your wife because God instituted marriage and you you vowed to that and yes. you are married. Yes. You yeah. are a man. You are a woman. You know, these are creational yes. realities. Yes. And then there are redemptive realities as well. Yeah. And the redemptive realities are, while we might say less visible per se, they are just as real. Yes. And so, so, so just as you cannot, it is not the body and blood of Christ. It is us spiritually feeding upon him in reality. Yes. Yeah, something it's reality. is really happening. Yes, and that spiritual thing is not less any not less real than the physical world or the bread or the yeah. wine that you drink. And so that's the thing that the theology is reality. Just because uh, it's not yeah. really tangible doesn't mean you can't. And so if it's real, that changes everything yeah. about how you think or practice. Well, and and how oh my goodness, this is just this is rich. I mean, I, I'm I'm feeling very selfish here, uh, but. I mean, how important is this because of our post-enlightenment age where we we swim in the waters so much where we've tried to get rid of anything that doesn't fit within the latest scientific theory when, uh, you know, we're only trying to measure the things that our five senses can sense or mm-hmm. whatever I'm feeling at the moment. And... What what the Bible is proclaiming to us is saying, hey, life is way bigger than you imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, now, look, man, I feel like I feel like it's worth chasing this rabbit for a second. This is really good. How how does that free you up as a preacher to get up there and just preach the truth, knowing that I'm I'm not trying to 
make up someone or persuade people with just my opinions. I'm proclaiming reality. Yeah. How does that free you up as a preacher? I think it's empowering as a preacher. Um, in one sense, I don't, I wouldn't say, I don't know if this, I don't think you're asking it this way, but I would say, I don't feel like, I never feel handicapped preaching. Yeah. I would say I feel empowered because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm. And knowing truth is, and because to say knowing what is real, what is actually the way things are is invigorating. Yeah, to say that, and 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 that's that is freeing. But what is even more freeing, I think, is to be able to to, in one hand, because that 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 can be uh, negative, and as we start, so let's say we're going to preach a sermon, and this is a re- it's bringing reality to bear. Yeah, and usually it starts with the reality to bear, well, of who God is and how He made the world. Yeah, but then that ultimately turns to sin. And so yep. it is in one sense, it's easy to bring the sins forward, but that is reality. Yeah. But the but the invigorating, the empowering part is to the next reality to say, and this is the gospel. Come on, and man. It's, and it's true and it's real. Jesus yes. really did die. Yes. He really did die. He really did live righteously and perfectly. And he really is ascend resurrected and ascended, and is through me proclaiming to you you to repent and to mm. know your sins, to know yourself, but to also know him and to fall at his feet, worship him and be forgiven of your sins, to be cleansed of your sins, to be free of the bondage of the, of the devil and sin. Yeah. And you are when you are in him. Come and on, man. So, and so now how do we live? Yeah. How do, what yeah. do we do with that? That that's awesome enough. Oh, and and but the best part, and it's not to say, well, what should that's the the best part of preaching. Maybe second is after making that claim to then say, now, how is this going to affect us? Yes. Because we're free. We know truth. We know how the world is, and so now we want to know how God would have us live. And because we know ourselves and know Him, yeah. Because we should want to show God, show our, show the world, show Him, uh, show ourselves, and then we show Christ and the gospel. And we can say, how should we live? Yeah. And then we get to tie that together. It's also freeing to say, and I won't, I, I say this a lot to the congregation sermons, to tie it back and to say, now this is how you're, the Lord would have you to live. And to close yes. with essentially saying, but here's the even the good news now. Yeah. You can be godly. Yeah. You can live a godly life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells you. Amen. And that's reality. Oh. And you can be, so what God calls you to do is insurmountable of your own, of your left to your own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit within you, you can live God. You can do what God wants you to do Mm, and you can be happy and joyful and you can be blessed in it. And if everything in the world doesn't produce earthly fruit, you can't go to hell because Christ keeps you from that. Amen. You're promised an eternal reward. Yeah. That will be far better than whatever you might think would be a good reward here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's I, reality. It is, and that, and that's what we as pastors have the privilege of. You know, whenever we're preaching that reality, then we fall, kind of getting coming full circle. We we follow that up with as shepherds getting in the trenches with them, saying, yes. "Hey, look, since this is your reality, 
we're going to be with you even as you wrestle and fight and struggle with the sin, but we're in it with you because this is who you are. And And so you can tie that. Oh, sorry. Game changer. Yeah. Yeah. And tie it back to the, to the Presbyterian polity question. Yeah. You can say, you could say, okay, that's what I want to do, but I can't do this by myself. I can't do it alone. Yes. I have the, and I have the Holy spirit, but I can't, I, I know, I know what they're saying is like, but I need people. Bingo. So what? It's a yes, you do. And yeah. God and God first has given you what you need first in the incarnate Christ. Mm. So you have that. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You have God as your Father. But yeah. God has structured His church and has designed His church in such a way that He gives you pastors, He gives yeah. you elders who are sent, who are called by Him, yeah. and put here and placed here for your good, for mm. your sake. To, shep- to see you shepherded and well cared for. You're not alone. You also have the body yeah. of Christ who loves you and whose life is bound to you too. Yes. And you know how we know that? We've taken vows. We've taken mm-hmm. vows to each other to do this. And now we're not going to keep it perfectly. That's something we ought to think about our confession right. of yeah. sin, yeah. is how we <laughs> fail to keep our vows. Yeah. Um, but we're, we are bound to each other. We've vowed to one another, which means we're obligated yeah. to God to, to, do, to care for one another, to love one another, um, and so you see, like that's built within, not just yeah. the polity, but the nature of the church. Mm. And, and though, and we could say, well, what if that gets out of hand? God has also built within His church, yeah, a presbytery or a regional body to care and to help. Yeah. And the rest of the body of Christ, other fellowships, other churches can help and nourish and what do we need? And if that even goes badly, <laughs> yeah. we might have another one uh, to go <laughs> exactly. on from there. And of course, you could you could drag that out as far as you wanted to, to find a problem. But that's the point is like, with the work of the Holy Spirit in this, God is using his, his word and using the gospel and using, obviously, the Son and, and works yeah. with us. But he also gives the body of Christ. He gives his officers, and the officers extended past the, our own congregation yeah. See that we're cared for. That's so good. Well, and let's let me backtrack a little bit because uh I think going back to the part where, you know, when we're preaching about reality, uh you had mentioned it so well about how we can tend to be uh or or it tends to be easier to show the reality of our sin, but it, it is harder to believe that you know, the reality of grace really is for us. Mm-hmm. And, but when, when we, when we realize that we're not, as, as uh, Luther says, you know, our words don't just kind of go up into the air and then just kind of, you know, fizzle out, you know, it is the word of God. And we can have confidence that when we preach about Christ and what he has done, we're not talking about some sort of, uh imaginary thing right we are talking about the central event that all of creation uh as it were uh is structured by yes um and i i think that really i mean even for the ministers who are preaching we're also sitting under our very own sermons as we're preaching it's kind of a weird thing but yeah but we all as christians not only have license but really are commanded by God to leave that worship service and say, God has given the gospel to me. Yes. He, he, like that good news is mine. Yes. And, 
man, what freedom. Oh, it's, it's a freedom that can only be of God. Yeah. No human freedom, no agency, no government, no, yeah. no anything can bring that to the Christian. Yeah. And that, that it sets, it sets us uh, spiritually ablaze and we're thrilled with it and we can feel empowered uh, because we are and, and to go forward and be faithful yeah. and even see God bear fruit that he's promised to bear. Yeah. In our lives. Yeah. So, okay, man, whew, I feel like that's uh that, that was well worth chasing that rabbit down that path because yeah. I, I was rich, but when we come back even to uh, uh, the the front of that path that we went down of talking about the confession being used in our churches and really the, the Westminster standards being used in our churches, we, we have clearly been talking about how this is uh, – we're not talking about the Westminster confession as merely being some sort of guardrails, right. and then we just kind of do whatever else. I mean – the way we've been talking about it, like we, we're saying this is pumping life into our church. Yes. So how like how can we as pastors help our people see that theology is not merely to be on guard against heresy? How can we show them once again it's life? And we want to encourage you to keep growing in your uh healthy study of God's word. Yeah, I think, um, well, one one little minor thing I do is uh, before I read the scripture, I um, I say that in the providence of God, this text was chosen today for you to hear. Yeah. So give your, so give your attention to it. That's good. So, That's so good. you should give your attention to God's word, but particularly now, because oh, this, this was... In his providence, you're here right now, and this is the text that he wants you to know. Yes. So it reinforces them to know that when you're reading God's word, that providentially he's ordered it to where this would be the one, what he would want you to hear and have explained and know. That's, that's awesome. A, that's one way. Yeah. Um, another way is, um, give, well, I mean, I think just faithful preaching and, and calling yeah. attention to that, but also encouraging the congregation to to read the scripture, yeah, and to know the scripture, and to read the confessions, and to be uh, people who pray, and to uh, to think on those things. So you know, to to know that when you are reading the scripture, uh, well, scriptures, but when you read the standards, and you understand that this is not the Bible, but it is explaining to us what the Bible says. Yes, order, yeah. what it wants yeah. us to know. One of the reasons that's a good thing for us is. That it helps us to know God more, which is truly yeah, wrong, yeah. to love Him more, to know how to live. But it, one thing it does it expands our capacity to worship Him mm. because we know him, we know Him more. Because yes. there are things that, if you came to the Westminster Standards and the Confessions and Catechisms not being fully aware of some realities, yeah. you will you will come to understand God more by using them. Yeah, and you'll see that. Oh, that's what the Bible teaches about God. That's what God has said He is, or yeah. that is what it says about Christ. I mean, I remember uh, in a worship service uh, back in Mississippi, we had a confession there, uh, confession of faith, and it was the shorter catechism. It says that yeah. the covenant of grace was made with Christ. That was actually very 
helpful and spiritually beneficial to me in the moment to realize that I'm a member of God's covenant, but the covenant was made first with Christ and I'm brought in for him. And that's, and, and you think through how that could turn into your, in, in your heart and your mind and thinking like I'm in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. So that means that is helping me to understand that, Oh, I'm, I'm kept because of Christ. I'm secure yeah. because of Christ. Uh, and the obligations upon godliness for me are ones that Christ himself uh, lived and, and is yeah. of his yeah. very nature. And so I'm, I'm secure in him because God doesn't revoke his word and Ooh. not to his son. And so that, and I'm learning that. Could you learn that through reading the Bible? Well, yeah, of course you could. But the confessions help us to yes. think through yeah. that yeah. and give us, yes, guardrails to, to know how to think about it. So that's a guardrail, how yeah. to think about the covenant of grace. But it is for your heart. Oh, man. They are meant to be for yeah. your heart. And just practically speaking, if you ever wonder, what did they mean it for the heart? Well, I think you could read it. But if you really wanted to know, just read some of these guys' sermons read their biographies. Yeah, man. You learn that yeah. these were men that really wanted, they really wanted the good of the, of the sheep. Yeah. And so I think well, the confessions were, help us in that way. Yeah. I mean, they were preeminently, they were pastors. Right. And I, I think with our modern separation of thinking that theology is only meant for the academy and then just the principles of living are meant for the church. That 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 is a uh basically a, a Nestorian separation mm -hmm. of two things that ought yeah, to be in really unity. Uh and yeah. and man, it, it it's uh and that's that's something I, I keep trying to tell our people here is uh the theology is always meant for life and all of yes. life only can only happen in light of theology. And they they really they're married together and yeah. <laughs> um, so what, like, what do, what do y'all do even just very practically? Like, what are some things y'all do at your church? You had mentioned, you know, for Sunday school right now, isn't that right? That y'all are going mm -hmm. through the Westminster Confession. What, what, what have y'all done just throughout the years of you being there with the Westminster standards? That's the biggest thing. Um, we, uh, what year is that? I think it was 2022. Um, we went our, all of our confession of faith was through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Yeah. So week, we oh, took, nice. Yeah. Yeah, we took one, one, two, or three, depending on the length of the question, um, to as our confession of faith. And so by the end of the year, yeah. you would have you would have heard the entire shorter catechism. That's awesome. Um that's good. And what we're gonna we're actually starting this coming Sunday, um myself and uh we have a part time associate pastor who yeah. helps in the worship service slot and he he and I are going to, when we partake, serve the Lord's Supper, we take weekly communion. So uh, yeah. one of the things we're going to do is we're going to use the larger catechism questions starting at um, what is a sacrament. Yeah. And, oh, that's awesome. And, and just sort of, and use that as our, uh, to bring us to the table, to tie yeah. to the sermon, but also to to teach and, and, and to feed the hearts, for the hearts of the people, but also feed their minds to nourish them. That's really uh, good. I like that. On, on that. And so we'll, I'll, we'll skip the baptism questions, but we'll focus on supper. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah we're going to focus on the supper and, and showing how, and make an application there. That's a yeah, spiritual benefit. And we'll also help understand why we fence the table and to show. So and so we can say we should do this, but here's, here's a theological explanation. 
here's a, yeah. a church explanation of how we should partake of the Lord's Supper and who should. So mm. it'll touch on issues of who, you know, who is allowed and who is not. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. I think it will open up questions and different uh, opportunities to discuss with people the, the importance of it, but also its spiritual benefit and even who can partake and who cannot yeah. and why, who should administer it, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and that will bring a lot of these things back. Yeah. So that's, that's some of the practical ways we're doing it. What, what have you seen happen in your congregation as y'all have been implementing this and even uh, the explicit ways or even the, the more subtle ways of just, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I know like in, in sermons, what we can do sometimes is uh, we don't always say, well, Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 33, uh, you know, the answer is, yeah, yeah, you know, but it's like, we'll, we'll just, we'll just off the top of our tongues, we'll just speak about the definition of what justification is. Mm-hmm. Um, in in ex- explicit forms and it's in more subtle forms, what have you seen this do to your people over time? I would say um, crystallize God's word a little more of, of things, but also um, I'm trying to think of the word to say, Wilson. It's sort of like yeah, uh, co- cohesiveness to their thinking. Oh yeah, good. That that would really be the the word. It, it brings a cohesiveness to how this works together. Yeah, these things are, yeah. and 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 allow them to know how to think properly, but also to think without uh, naturally as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, so it brings cohesiveness. Like, okay, so that's the covenant of works. That's the covenant of grace. That's uh, that's adoption. That's sanctification. That's repentance and can kind of feed off of one another and, and bring some cohesiveness so they can know how to process a question. Yeah. And I can see um, it that as I've encouraged people and I try to do that uh, in, in, in some counseling situations or just yes. talk with somebody when they have, pastoral situation say well, let me let me share with you what the Westminster state whatever part of it yeah says on this and that helps them as well and so yes. it's accomplishing the pastoral care which we desire for but also it's reinforcing to them hey th- we actually have believe things in this church this is what we believe yeah. and then it, yeah. and also when you use it in the proper way uh whether it be in a sermon or counseling to show like this is why we have this. This is the the practical reason why. Well, it's so funny you had mentioned counseling because years ago, uh, me and uh, our our buddy Zach Bird, uh, we were studying great Mississippian, great Mississippian. Oh yeah, legend. He's a, he's another good friend of the pod. Uh, I like him. We were we were reading. It's up here on my bookshelf. We were reading uh, Herman uh, Vitzius's uh, two volumes, "The Economy of the Covenants," and yes talking about covenant theology and obviously getting into the Westminster. And, uh, and this just was just for us personally. And as we were talking, I was opening up to him about things I was wrestling with and it was awesome. And it, it just, it changed my life. It changed the way I thought about being a pastor and counseling others. And he said, you realize you are thinking and acting as if you're still in the covenant of works. Mm. Wow. Talk about like theology yeah. being reality. Right, right. And I remember thinking like, whoa. And then, you know, he would he went on to unpack that. And and it was a huge moment for me of realizing 
what all our theology is. In turn, what's been funny is how often I have used that in counseling situations and even the grid through which, like, as I'm hearing things, I'm like, oh, man, I can see how they're they're still functioning, you know, as if they're still in the covenant works. And you're right. I mean, it it really does. It it changes the way you pastor. And I mean, here here's another here's another one that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've used before too. But the beautiful language in uh, the catechism about the difference between justification and sanctification. Oh yeah, they're Talking both Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're both by God's free grace, but only one of them is an act. That's right. The other one is a work. Yes. Man, how often we can hear people whenever they're talking to us and they can, they want their sanctification to be a one time act. Yes. And they can think that their justification is an ongoing work. That's right. Oh, man. I mean, that that's taking these truths and applying it right there in real life situations. That's right. And and you can even to help with that, I think. You could use the shorter catechism on adoption. Oh, good, you know, yeah, to, yeah. To say now, what what is adoption? Is it an act? Yes. Or is it a work? It's an act of God's free grace. Yeah. To adopt you, to bring you to the family, and then, so what I taught Sunday was kind of saying along the lines of, now you're adopted, and, and you, and it's an act, and it's done to you or for yeah. you, um, rather than a transforming work. But yet, if you if you think through what it, what the implications are, yeah. this is where the pastoral comes in. God's name has been put upon you. Mm. So when you bear someone's name, there's an expectation of character. Like, yeah, I, I use examples like yeah. if you say you're a Kennedy, there's a certain level yeah. of thought that understands. There's a certain financial understanding about what your your wealth, your probably some of your political and social views, your background. There's different things that by saying you're a Kennedy. Uh, that go along with that. Yeah. And so when you're, you when God's name is put upon you, it is an act, it is it's that. But its benefits, its fruit will be that you begin to bear the name of your father, yeah. or bear the, the the character of your father and and reflect Christ, his son, his only begotten son. You yeah. by he is begotten, you are adopted. And so you can begin to show it's like I want to be sanctified. I think that's a uh, I, I find that to be a very pastoral order of yes. going from justification to adoption to sanctification because yeah. it allows the person struggling with both of those. You can say, you're, you, if you say, I'm jumping straight to sanctification, like, well, you skipped a step. Yeah. Yes. Adoption. Or if you or you say, wait a minute, you jump, you didn't deal with the justification. You need to think about your justification and your adoption in light of that. Yeah, and these are good pastoral yeah. tools, and so if you explain to people their situation, you know, help them understand what, how they're thinking or what their situation is, you can even just ask and say, like, you know, do you do you know what it, the, this doctrine is? Have you ever heard of adoption? And yeah, you can just and you good. can actually start it off by just saying, "Hey, look, I think this will be helpful for you. So let me explain. This is what mm-hmm. it says. It's like now that's reality. Let me show you how that reality should help you in this situation." Yeah, yeah. So, and that, and I think that that's where they become helpful because now they have, they even have a resource at least to say, oh, I need to go read that catechism. I need to read about those questions. And you can always say, like, yeah, if you get a good copy, they'll have verses underneath. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you had mentioned that about the name being written upon us. Uh, 
I've I've noticed that in my own personal sanctification of you know how I've had to grow in repenting of uh you know insecurity and evangelism and mm-hmm. The more I have learned scripture and the more I've realized, you know, Matthew 28, that Jesus is saying to to all of his people, you know, go forth making disciples and um, even literally telling myself, like, man, this is just what Christians do and how mm-hmm. that has not it's taught me. It's literally catechized me, but it's given me more confidence to realize, yeah, this is just what we do. We 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 tell others about the gospel. And, uh, and I, 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 it's just a, uh, thing in my own life. Well, it's funny as, as I look at these questions and if, uh, if our listeners saw this, I think we probably made it through, uh, like <laughs> five or six questions. We had so many more uh, yeah. to go and that, that I'll, we're going to save that for a second episode, but th- this was so good here. Here's the question that I'd, I'd want us to, uh, begin to close out with is this, where and, and I'm I'm gonna make this very broad just to kind of see where you go with this. For a church all the way over here in Stillwater, Oklahoma, who uh has people, we we have people who come in and out. We have a lot of people who don't come from Presbyterian backgrounds. Uh some some people have grown up in the church. But if I if I'm interested in learning more about seeing theology as the reality and studying the Westminster Confession, uh, how how do I begin? Where where do I start? I are you assuming you're unfamiliar with it? That's kind of you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I always I do tell people to come and say what's a you know what's a resource or this or that to help me understand reform theology or, or beliefs yeah. on that. And I I tell them it's like you need to read the Westminster Standards. You need yeah. to read them and read them in their entirety because I I find that to be helpful if for no other reason. Yeah. Say, look, if I tell you what someone said, um, that's mm. helpful and true and good. But, you know, if if the standards say A and John Calvin says B, yeah. the standards win. Yeah, because it's like okay. so many more people saying yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. John, and so it's like it's important that you grasp the Westminster standards theologically because yeah. that is what we hold to. We we really like John Calvin. Yeah. Yeah. But we actually do like yeah. the Westminster standards more, and they have more yeah. authority. They have actual authority. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. where he doesn't in this sense. Yeah. Um, and so I would say you know learn to read those mm. and read them read them a few times. Yeah. And, um, and then learn about the worship because yeah. it, i think learning about the worship and not being presbyterian and and such is read the directory of public worship that might be yeah. a good one yeah that's um, a good one. Yeah. but i think that just soaking in that is like because that's my thing is that the theology is explained often in the worship service yeah and it's and it's going to be for the heart so read the standards um and another thing is talk to people read books i i'm, I'm actually like yeah. i don't value reading books i think <laughs> that's not good true yeah. but i would also say like learn to talk to people about yeah help for it and what they value in it what they profit in it that's and good how it's been how it's a help to them because again a, a mm. great explanation is good 
but you do want to know like it's it's effect it's how it's been fruitful in other people's lives and if you become a presbyterian you're going to join this church and there's a lot of people yeah. here that know it and like i think getting to know people and help and talking with them about it about your struggles yeah your, your difficulties is helpful yeah um, and ask your pastor the honest questions yes uh, and as a and pastor I, as a pastor i would say remind them frequently that i took a vow to teach this Mm. Oh, that's and I would, a huge one today yeah yeah and and remind and a good reminder is if i'm i don't know if this is actually what you're asking but i would just say if i'm you know what i believe all they all know what i believe yeah yeah, yeah exactly yes it, yeah it's it's just, there's a copy of it if you want it you Boom. can you can everything i believe is right there yeah. now if i say something opposite of that or whatever you have a place to go to know what I believe. Exactly. And if I say, and if, or if I don't, you can, you can actually say, but this is what the church holds to. Yes. And so I would say as much as it is learning it intellectually, it's letting it seep into your, your bloodstream. That's so being, good. being familiar with them is the best. I think is this most, yeah. it's not just the most basic starting point, but read it. And I would tell, I read, try to read a portion of the standards every day. It might yeah, be that I, yeah. I so I read my script, read the scripture, and then I try to read. Um, it, it might just be a paragraph. It might be one question, depending on time. Yeah, or, but I I just try to read it every day, and um, to just become part of how I think, because I also think it helps you in knowing how to answer people, answering your own questions in your own heart. I don't know if that's where you're going with that. No, no, that's perfect. <laughs> well, let me and let me ask a follow up question. Uh, and I actually just making sure I got the name right. I'm looking up uh, uh, one resource, but let's let's say I've read through it and I want to study a little bit more about maybe some of the background or even just a further explanation of what it's meaning. Are there any good books or even podcasts that are out there that would help explain to me what the Westminster Confession is saying? Uh, books. I think uh, a very good, uh, rich theologically for the heart, b but accessible is a uh, Chad Van Dixhorn's yeah. commentary on confessing the faith. I think, um, very good one. A, a Hodge is, is, is yep. actually accessible and good. I can see the copy of the book. Uh, um, is it Robert Shaw? The blue yes, and gray that's one. It. Yep. That's yep. it. Robert Shaw's is really helpful. Thomas Goodwin's body yeah. of divinity is really good. Yep. Um, I like those. And um, podcast-wise, I know the guys at uh, Larger for Life are doing there a really good that's job. What, that's what I pulled up. Yeah, shout yeah. out to uh, Spin, friend of the pod. Yeah, I don't like any of them personally, but they do a good job. <laughs> we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll keep that here. We'll just pretend like yeah, uh, that, no yeah, one knows. That doesn't go uh, no, they're, that, uh, jokes aside, besides being wonderful brothers in Christ, yeah. they're doing a great job, and they teach very well. Yeah. On that. And um, I'm going blank on if there's another podcast. I feel like there's something I I'm wondering if there is something out there. Yeah. I, feel, I can't think, though. I, feel, um, I would start there. Dr. Joey Pipe has got a pretty good um, work yeah. on the confession that's actually Bible study based. And that I, might be helpful actually, to do with somebody else. I'm trying to. Uh, I, I got Derek Bright uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, I think it's going to be the episode after this. We're talking about prison ministry. 
And uh, I, but I've been wanting to get the three of them, Derek, Spin, and Matt, all to uh, uh, talk about actually the the role of the Westminster Larger Catechism. So we'll, we'll let this also be a public shout out, and also some good holy peer pressure for them to uh, come on the Gospel Gazing podcast. Yeah, um, they do it. Yeah, we need it, man. So. But yeah, man, Joe, th- th- this really is uh, this is this is rich stuff. I mean, it's only Tuesday, and I'm, 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 I'm hyped for this coming Lord's Day, man. Uh, this has just been rich. Yeah, I thoroughly uh, enjoyed this. Yeah, well, we're 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 definitely we're gonna we're gonna have to run it back again for a uh, an episode two for another point. Uh, but man, we're so thankful for what you're doing out in Woodstock, Georgia, the, the, the real Woodstock, let the record show. Yes, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, um, Hey, if, if there's a way that our people wanted to listen to any of your sermons or is there a way that they can find those? Is there on your church website? Oh boy. Um, we, we have a YouTube link to sermons and, uh, it's Christ. I don't know the name of it. Yeah, this. I can it's find the YouTube it. Channel. I, I can put yeah. in uh, our, yeah. our unofficial show notes. I'll, I'll do that. So yeah, that, it's on there. People's stuff. Um, they have a Facebook page that my wife <laughs> tries to keep up with our information pretty regularly. Yeah, things going on there. Um, yeah, we're if we are not uh, the most up to date in that ro- that realm. We need to be better. Um, hey, that's all right. We're 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 still learning too. So but you can find fun. it. You can find our our, our, yeah. our sermon, my sermons, and. Our sermons. I'm not the only. We have another pastor or yeah. too. And our Sunday school lessons are typically in oh, there. Oh, awesome! It's, yeah. it's kind of all one link. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, we can find that. But uh, yeah, that would be the best place to go. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think it's always good too, just to show our people just the other faithful churches that are out there, and um, and I think that's what's great about the PCA. So, well, Joe, thanks for joining us on the Gospel Gazing Podcast. And uh, I think this is going to be a really rich resource going forward. So uh, we loved having you. Thanks, man. Thank you for letting me be here. This is a good podcast. I do recommend it to people. Uh, you're doing a great job here. Yeah. Appreciate appreciate you very much. Well, we appreciate it.